everybody, welcome back to The Extras, my name is Jack. And I'm Sam. Great to be with you today. How are you travelling Sam, how things going? I'm doing pretty well, yep. Uh, yeah, having a, having a good week, enjoying, uh, yeah, reflecting on all these questions we've got out of Matthew 13. Yeah, things there, are good. There yeah. are stacks of money, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's so good to be having these huge numbers of questions pouring in every week. Really glad that so many of you out there are. Just keen to wrestle yeah. with the Bible and understand it more. Yeah, we, we get a, a lot of joy out of yeah. seeing the way people are engaging. And, and I'm loving I saw a couple of question, comments on the, on the Connect cards on, on the weekend. People saying, look, I wish question time could be longer. Uh, so, so do we. Um, that's right. That's why we have a second bracket <laughs> during the week because we can't get enough of it either. Yeah, yeah. It. yeah no, it's, it's a really good way to engage with God's Word is to think, ask questions, discuss, go back to the text. What does it say? Yeah, so it's been helpful. It's yeah. great, yeah. Well, let's go back to the text before we get into the questions. Can you remind us, Sam, where we were in the Bible on Sunday, mm. what we've been thinking about? Yeah, uh, we were looking at the parable of the sower, uh, which is uh, one of the stories that Jesus first told the crowds and then explained to his disciples, um, I guess with the goal of, of helping set his disciples' expectations right for the the work of of preaching the kingdom that is ahead of them and uh, what, what he lays out for them is, is, is a variety of responses uh, three sort of negative responses I guess to, to the message about the kingdom and uh, one positive which is the good soil um, of those who receive the word understand it and then bear fruit um, and uh, we were so both hearing um, hearing uh, as insiders, Jesus teaching to, to have our expectations right as we preach the kingdom, um, but also thinking hard about our own response to the word and uh, what what soil we might be. Yeah, helpful. Helpful recap. Uh, yeah. We've got a lot of questions about a lot of those things, the soils and who yep. we are and yep. evangelism, lots of things. So let's, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, first question, who is the sower yep. in Jesus' parable? And you mentioned the, you know, the, the bad soils there. Mm-hmm. Questions asking, aren't the, you know, isn't the sower, whoever mm-hmm. they may be, being a bit of a bad farmer by yeah. sowing seeds on obviously bad soil like the path? Yeah. Or is that just extending the metaphor a bit too much? Yeah, thanks for the question. I, um, the first part, I think, is easy enough to answer. God God is the sower, ultimately. Um, he, he may well sow through other people. Um, like, Jesus is the one preaching the kingdom at this point in Matthew's gospel. Um, but I think we can extrapolate that that's even us now. Uh, sharing the message of the kingdom, but it's ultimately God spreading his word, the message uh, about Jesus. Mm. Um, He's the ultimate sower. Um, Isn't he a bad farmer? Um, Yeah, I I guess at one level you could could make that case. Um, uh, Although, um, I think there's a couple of things to note. One is... um, God is God is actually really gracious. Um, he, he doesn't. He, he scatters the word to everyone, and there's no one who's, who's going to be able to say, "Oh, I never had an opportunity. I, 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 I didn't hear God. God just kept it back from me um, for whatever reason." Um, God, God is quite abundant here. I think that's the image yeah. of um, almost wastefulness. But but at the same time, what he's sowing is the word, and so it's not like a. I mean, it is a precious seed, um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's not limited in that sense. It is a message, and it can be shared abundantly, um, such that I think even as we um, share the gospel, we're never going to think, "Gee, I wish I'd never talked about Jesus. I should yeah. have held that back and given it to somebody else." Um, th- there is a sense in which that the the word is for all, scattered broadly, mm. um, and that is part of God's generosity and, and abundance. I think. Yeah, like the word is precious, but it's not a scarce resource. It's that, not like yeah. God's being wasteful he's just yeah lavish like he's just throwing it everywhere that's right i think it's important as well like 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 you said i mean those who end up not responding yeah it's not because god hasn't given them a chance it's yeah. not because he's withheld it it's he's scattered everywhere it's, that, it's that's a, right yeah it's to do with the, the, the 
gracious abundance of God that he, he um, shares his message widely. Yeah. Mm. Helpful. All right, next question. Uh, is not the evil one actually involved in all the first three soil types? So in the, the passage, mm. it's, you know, the first soil, the, the path, the birds snatch it up. Yep. We're told the evil one snatches yep. away yep. the word. The right. question's asking, isn't the evil one involved in the others, the, the, the weeds that crowd out, that kind of thing? It seems like that might be the case. So. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think at least in Matthew, in this parable, in the parable of the sower, the evil one is only attributed to that first work. Um, mm. Does that mean, therefore, he's absent from the other two? I don't think so. Uh, but perhaps what, what Jesus is trying to get us to see here is that um, there are a variety of factors that can lead to um, rejection of the message. So, so you look at the other one, it, it seems to be uh, the, the second soil is the rocky ground um, and verses 20 and 21. Good to have your Bible open if, you, if, you, if you're listening along. Yeah, that's um, right. And uh, they, uh, what, what's happened to them in, in verse 21, trouble or persecution has come because it's, it's like the hostile world is, mm. the, is the thing there. And, and again, you know, the scriptures talked about um, not just the devil, but the, but the world, the flesh and the devil, um, you know, the, the three sort of the unholy triad, if you like, of, of uh, forces in opposition to God. Yeah. Here it is that the hostility of the world that is, um, that is on view for the second one. Not that the devil's absent from that, but, but that's what's focused upon, perhaps. Yeah, like this is, it's a, I guess, you know, richer, kind of feels like the wrong word, but like a more deep picture, perhaps, of yeah. the forces that are opposed against us. Like it's not that's right. just the devil and him alone, but the devil and... Precisely. The world through which he works. Th- that's right. That's right. And and he is called the, the the prince of this world, and sort of the one who seems to have the the sort of control of of, of the culture and the the, the the powers that be in the world. Um, mm. And then the last one is sort of like the the seductiveness of the world, if you like. It's the uh, the the, the uh, deceitfulness of wealth and uh, the, the the worries of this life, the the things of of the here and now. Uh, which again, I don't think we'd say that the devil is absent from those, but it seems that Jesus is trying to help us to see that it that this sort of these forces in opposition to to the message of the kingdom come in a variety of shapes and sizes and won't always uh, appear as outright sort of the work of the devil. Sometimes yeah. it'll just be I'm too busy for that, which is you know in mm. the worries of this life. Yeah. Um, so that being said, um, interesting in the passage we're coming to this coming Sunday. Um, it, as, as there is the weeds and the wheat, um, it is the devil who is attributed with uh, planting the weeds in amongst the wheat. So, That's right. Yeah. Uh, now, these are just stories that Jesus is, is using to teach us a point, and I don't think we're meant to do too much. They're not designed each one to be exact, and they all work you know, yeah. in a perfect exact kind of thing. They're, they're parables to teach a point. Um, so I think in, in, in short to the answer to this question is, yes, I think the devil is involved in them all, but Jesus is trying to show you that there's a variety of forces going at work here. Yeah, he's drawing your attention to sometimes the world beats you back, yep. persecution, sometimes the world sucks you in. That's right, that's right. Or sometimes the devil just snatches it away. Yeah, yeah, great. Yep. We'll keep going. Uh, next question is about the phrase, Jesus talks about giving the secrets of the kingdom of heaven to his disciples in verse 11. Uh, so that phrase, is Jesus just giving an explanation of the parable of the sower? Yep. As in, the secrets are part of, you know, the disciples are able to understand this yeah. um, this parable, or is giving the secrets of the kingdom giving a person faith? So the whole reality of Jesus' death and resurrection yeah. is verses fourteen and fifteen about people you know hearing but never understanding. Is that just about people being unable to understand a parable, mm. or is it bigger about the mm. inability to understand 
Jesus. What a great question. I love, I love this question, and I think this is really um, insightful and asking all the right things. Uh, mm. So thanks for the person who, who sent it in. It's a good one. Um, and I think it is a bit of both. Um, I think if you think about the big story arc of, of Matthew's gospel, what is, what is Jesus doing? Since chapter 4, he's, he's called his disciples to him to make them fishers of people. Um, and by the end of Matthew's gospel, he's going to send them out to uh, preach the gospel to, to all the nations. Um, and uh, I guess what, what lies in between is largely a, a bit of a training, a, an apprenticeship, if you like, for the disciples uh, to ready them for their ministry to the gospel. Jesus is himself preaching the kingdom to, to the crowds, but it's still veiled for them, but he keeps explaining everything to the insiders. And, and I think, so, so really that this whole time that he is ministering to his disciples, he is giving them the secrets of the kingdom and showing mm. them he's the king, what he's come to do, the, 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 the grace of God, the forgiveness of sins, all the things he's upcoming death and resurrection and this lesson on um, evangelism and what's going to go on as they as they preach the kingdom yeah. it's all part of the, them getting the secrets of the kingdom which is a, a I guess the discipleship that Christ himself does of these 12 so it's like this ongoing revelation of the whole kind of package like yes it's, it's that's more right. than just and, and at this moment the the part of that secrets of the kingdom that mm. Jesus is is in the process of giving them over this time, this lesson today is th- this lesson about what happens when you preach the word of the kingdom. Yeah, so you're saying it's kind of both yeah. because the specific thing about our responses to the word is part of the it's whole part package of the, package. Of the secrets. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so really, as we read Matthew's gospel, we're, we're taking that walk with the disciples. We get sort of treated as one of them mm. um, and, and we get... The, the, that sort of three-year boot camp from Jesus himself as well. We get the, the secrets of the kingdom and this is one of the... This is part of the package. Yeah, like. yeah, that's great. Helpful. Yeah. All right, uh, next question. Uh, coming back to... We touched on this a little moment ago, but mm. the devil snatching the message away in the yep. first soil. Yeah. The question is, is the devil snatching the message away or is it our sinful heart slash free will stopping people from truly understanding the gospel? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um... Uh, a couple of thoughts I think at this point um, it certainly says verse 18 uh, Matthew 13 18 um, uh, sorry 19 the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart so um, and sometimes I think modern readers we talked a little bit about, about this last week actually I think on the, on the, on the podcast we, we can have a I don't know a, a modernist uh, kind of uh, dismissal of spiritual things and we think no surely it's more to do with us and our response and and we're very secular at one level in in the way that we we think about ourselves that we're just kind of creatures of of rational thought and decision making and that is certainly true we are rational creatures who make real decisions but what the bible keeps alluding to time and time again is that there is this whole spiritual arena in which our lives are playing out often which we are not even aware of um and it seems that um, I mean, a couple of places to think about Ephesians chapter 2 talks about all those who are kind of outside of the people of God are, are, are belong to the devil they're, they're, mm. they're, they're objects of wrath because they follow the, 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 the prince of this world and they, they give in to the desires of the flesh and they follow the ways of the world and and, and, um, and Jesus often says you know if you're not with me you're, you're, you're against me you're in this other camp of uh, of the devil and 2 Corinthians 4 is, is a very helpful um, 
little passage on this where um, Jesus says, you know, whenever Christ is preached, there's this, there's this veil over the hearts and over the eyes of, of those who, uh, who hear, and they won't turn until the veil is taken away. Um, and part of our, I guess, our work in, in being preachers of the kingdom is to recognize that there is a, a spiritual work that needs to take place such that the veil is, is removed and that God himself, by the power of the Spirit, draws that person out of, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Um, sometimes I think we think, oh, I went looking for God. Um, mm. And from a human perspective, that is, that is true. That, that will be our experience, that we think, oh, I just have these questions and I want to know and I want to find out. And we, we come to Christ. And all of that is totally true from our perspective. But from another perspective there is a sense in which actually Romans 3 says no one seeks God. In fact, the only reason you'd be seeking God is because he himself has started drawing you yeah. irresistibly towards him. Um, and so I think we'd want to say it's kind of both end. Absolutely. Mm. They're, they're, you might have a conversation with someone and they say, no, logically I reject that and I, I have no time for that and I'm making a rational decision to reject the message. And yet, why are they doing that? I take it they're doing that, Scripture saying, because behind the scenes in the spiritual arena, uh, the devil is just snatching away the word. Um, yeah. And the Spirit has not yet drawn that person to God. Maybe just to try and, yeah, crystallize that a little. Like, I wonder if the kind of the impulse behind this question is is there something a bit unfair about it? Like, if mm. someone can't respond to the gospel because the devil snatched it away, yeah. You know, isn't that a little unfair? Like, is it, you know, do we want to be able to say, like, oh no, like they they had the chance for their sinful heart to reject it because that puts the responsibility back on them. I can understand that, um, you know, that uh, sense of, uh, you know, why, why we might think like that. Mm. Um, but I don't think it is, uh, I don't think it's unfair um, because actually all of us have been sort of, we've all sold ourselves into slavery to sin in our rejection of God. We've all chosen quite happily the path of the uh, of sort of self-reliance and rejection of God um, and so I don't think anyone can say this is not fair that I'm here we, we each of us chose it and actually yeah. um, fairness would be God leaving us there yeah um, that's right yeah grace is that God intervenes um, miraculously and draws people back to himself um, yeah so and that's one of the just wonderful Power, like the goodness and power of the gospel that right. God does lift the veil from some people's eyes. Like, Absolutely. He doesn't have to. Yeah. There are some who he will unveil through the power of the, the preaching of the gospel, that kind of thing. That's right. And that, that, is, that is grace. That's right. Yep. We'll keep going. All right. Sure. Uh, next question. Uh, thinking about the, the issue of fruit. So the good soil, the ones who bear 160, 30 fold. Yep. The question is, uh, I wonder, sorry, it's a long question. Let me just try and yeah. read the whole sort of thing. So on the question of fruit, uh, the question asker is wondering if one of the important setup moments of Matthew might be relevant. So in the early chapters, we see Jesus saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes. And chapter four, he says, I will make you fishes of men. Chapter 28, he talks about the going out to make disciples of all nations. There's this kind of fishes of men story arc, I guess, yeah. this question asker is saying. Yep. So could it be that fruit in Matthew 13 yep. is both the fruit of repentance, righteousness, yep. And the fruit of mm. people who you have fished. So yeah. is it is it both fruit yeah. as kind of godly life, which I guess is mostly what you were angling at, but yeah. also the fruit yeah. of you know evangelism and yeah. people joining the kingdom. Yeah, um, 
Great question. Thank, thanks. For, and I, and I, yeah, I think we already sort of alluded to that sort of idea. That, that I think they've got the, the story arc of Matthew spot on. Um, really, really helpful. Mm. Um, sort of laying out in, in the question there. Um, what is the fruit? Yeah, I I did define it more along the lines of righteous behaviour and repentance, um, more so than um, than sort of converts or, or sort of the, the the outcomes of evangelism. Yeah. Um, only because as I, as I did the chasing of the fruit language through Matthew, that seems to be the way that Jesus uses that language. Um, now that being said, uh, two things, one, no doubt part of, uh, that righteous behavior is, and and is coming to be a disciple of Christ is to, to, to be part of. Uh, the kingdom of God, the, the mm. advancing kingdom of God that goes out through gospel proclamation, and so I don't think, um, yeah, I think absolutely from that sense, um, it's involved in, in in the idea of fruit that that part and parcel of being a, a member of the kingdom is to is to preach the, the news of the king. Um, and secondly, yes, I, I think the final charge comes um, to go and make disciples, yeah, um, of, of, of all the nations. That that is the command, but. That that's not there. I mean, you can understand how that would fit with the fruitfulness language, but it is. It, it, it's not the language language that Matthew uses or mm. Jesus uses at that point. To, he doesn't speak of uh, fruit at that point. Um, yeah. So, it's a hundred percent part and parcel of being a being a disciple. That the Great Commission is yours and mine, and we must go and make disciples. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think I'm trying to just notice that when Jesus uses fruit, the the Greek word is karpos, uh, language there. Um, it, it typically seems to refer more to your your personal behaviour, your righteousness. Yeah, um, like we saw that back in Matthew twelve last yeah, week. Like the yeah. the good tree brings forth good fruit. Yes. And in that context, it's you know words that Correct. show what's in your heart and Correct. all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think, but I think bigger picture Bible fruitfulness is going to be like part of that is going to be preaching uh, the gospel to see people saved. Absolutely. But I think in Matthew there seems to be something particular about fruit. Um, yeah that is to do with, with personal righteousness. Yeah. I think that's really helpful to understand because, yeah, I think certainly in the past, I've sometimes come to this passage with almost this kind of... There's all, like, there can be this, you know, evangelistic guilt kind of thing. Like, if Jesus yeah. is saying, look, the good soil are the ones who go out and make 30 other converts mm-hmm. or 60 converts or 100 converts, you think, oh, wow, like, am I... Mm-hmm. If I don't, you know, multiply my place in the kingdom by 30 times, sure, am sure. I have I somehow fallen short of sure. being a disciple? Yeah. But I think what you've given us is, you know, it's a bit more of a holistic picture of yes. discipleship, right? Like, yes, like, us yeah. being on about scattering the seed is important yeah. because that's ho- a part of the whole Christian life of bearing mm. fruit of righteous living for, yeah. for Jesus. I think that's right. I, I, but I want to say that that doesn't therefore excuse us from mm. saying therefore I'm, I, I, as long as I'm living godly I can keep my mouth shut about the gospel um, yeah I mean that would make sense because living godly is having your mouth open yeah. and speaking the gospel I think yeah and, and also Jesus goes beyond he uses other images mm. uh, about like fishing for men yeah. <laughs> um, which are not so much in the in the realm of fruitfulness he doesn't the fruitfulness he, he sort of reserves for godliness but he does say go and fish yeah. so he tells us both be fruitful and be a fisher yeah really helpful mm. All right, we're gonna, got, we have quite a few questions that are dealing with the kind of the middle part of this passage where Jesus talks about why he speaks in parables so that uh, they'll be ever hearing but never understanding, that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, we'll tackle a few of these questions on that point. First one, does the passage imply that God keeps the message and understanding of himself hidden from some people? Mm. And if so, why? 
yes, I think the passage does imply, in fact, I think it more than implies, I think it, it clearly says that that is what Jesus was doing in that moment, is keeping the crowd in the dark and telling them stuff in parables so that they couldn't turn and be saved uh, and, and only revealing it to some, i.e. the disciples. Um, so yes, I, I think the passage says that quite quite clearly. Like, already that's kind of hard for us to hear, right? Like, there's something it about us that, you know, niggles at us. Like, it is. why does Jesus say it? Yeah, strongly. Yeah, and I think uh, the answer is uh, it has to do largely with where we are up to in salvation history. We are at the, we are moments away from Christ dying on the cross. You know, we're a matter of chapters away. Um, Jesus is is heading in that direction to to um, uh, to give his life as a ransom for many, um, and. He knows that's his mission, and he knows in order for that to happen, he must be rejected. He mm. must be. Um, and, and so there's a sense in which Jesus is keeping his cards close to his chest such that the, the plan of God for salvation can actually come about. Um, it's also um, in, in the context of the Isaiah prophecy um, yeah. that in the, in the same way that Isaiah, when, when Isaiah you know, uh, has that encounter with God and God says, you know... Um, uh, I've got this message that needs to go out and, and as I was like well who, who will go send, send me um, and, and God says to him right you're going to go but your ministry is going to be a ministry of judgment uh, yeah. you're going to speak the word but no one's going to listen but that's because I'm withholding my grace in order to judge these people yeah. um, and, and it seems that Jesus grabs onto that um, he quotes it here explicitly um, in, in Matthew 13 and then says that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm I'm preaching such that in hindsight people will look back and see how clear I was. But at the moment, it is a time of withholding. It is a moment of judgment. Judgment is coming upon the world, um, and yet at the same time, it's mercy coming on the uh, uh, onto the world because Christ, as he withholds God's word for a time, is actually going to then be rejected and he's going to be killed and and he's actually going to pay for that judgment himself. Yeah. So that mercy can be can be offered. Um, so, so you have like prophetic ministry of judgment in Isaiah's day. Yes. You have Jesus seeing himself in that kind of tradition too, That's fulfilling right. that. Yes. At least up to the cross. Yes. What about after that? So what about now? Like, do yeah. we still have a sense of this prophetic ministry of judgment today? Well, I think what we have now is now is the day of salvation. Mm. Now is the time that all that, that revelation is, is, is everything has been fully unveiled um, and there are it's now no longer the time for secrets it is now the time for the revealing of secrets for things to be made known clearly uh, and that is one of the languages that, that sort of the apostle paul picks up quite a bit in, uh, in colossians and ephesians is that you know for a time the mystery was kept hidden god's plan for the world and how he was going to save through through Christ, bringing in both Jews and Gentiles, now that secret's been revealed, and it's time to kind of call, cry out from from the rooftops. So, say it as clearly as you can. I think is is the short answer. Knowing that um, God's will is to save, and yet, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks in Matthew, there are some whom God will remain, whom God will keep hardened. Um, for for his own purposes, uh, that, that there is, there will be a sense in which some will hear our gospel proclamation and will still reject it, and in time, God will God you know on the final day, God will say, look, I was clear, and yet they remained hardened. Yeah, yeah. helpful. Um, a couple of things to a couple of questions, just just to kind of round this home, I guess. Yep. Um, yep. Thinking practically, in light of what you just said, I guess, should we speak in parables to our friends today, so that the gospel yeah. will be shrouded in this extra layer of difficulty? <laughs> Or should we speak clearly? I, I think it is is time to speak clearly. Yeah. Um, and so, 
uh, the answer is, is not parables in the way that Jesus used them. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are, yeah, and, and to use parables like Jesus did at this time, I think is unhelpful. Um, to use illustrations can be helpful, but yeah. they, they need to carry with them the explanation that, um, yeah, that Jesus, um, uh, Jesus gives them. Um, interestingly, uh, my, my son watched the sermon on Sunday night on the live stream, and, and as I was putting him to bed, on Sunday night, he came to me and he asked me about this whole idea, and he's like, "Well, why, why, why did uh, should we speak in parables now?" Right. And uh, now he hasn't read all of the uh, all of the New Testament yet, so I said, "Well, let, let's have a go. Let, let me read you some of Jesus' parables, and let's have a guess if you, if you can work out what they are without the explanation." Yeah. And right. uh, I read him the the parable of the, uh, the the attendants with the oil lamps, you know, waiting for the bridegroom, yeah. mm. and. Uh, and I said, "What do you think it's about?" With that, like withholding the explanation, mm. and he had a couple of guesses. Could could didn't didn't catch that it was about the return of Christ. And then when I gave him the key, he's like, "Oh, that makes so much sense." And I'm yeah, like, you need the key, um, and and that is, I think, our ministry now is to give people the key to these stories rather than to withhold. Um, we're in the we're in the time of revelation rather than uh, of, of hiding. I think the next question really helps to ram that home as well. Mm. So I guess last question in this kind of set. The parable finishes. He who has ears, let him hear. Why is it the crowd are not told the meaning of the parable and we are, we as the readers, we're given the meaning in yeah. verses 18 and 23. Are we being treated differently to the crowd by Jesus? Yeah, and the answer is yes, we sure are. And that is because you live in the next next epoch of salvation history, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, Hebrews 1 talks about, you know, God in the past speaking in various ways, but now in these last days... He's spoken by his son, and, and he speaks things that, that once upon a time angels longed to look into. Even they didn't get to know the full promises of God, and, and as they were fully revealed through the through the work of Christ at the cross and at his resurrection and ascension. And uh, so, so we live in this incredibly privileged moment in world history where we can understand all these things because God has made them known. And so, yeah, we are treated very differently to the crowd. Um, and, and so take, take encouragement from where you, the, the, the part of salvation history that, that we get to in, um, inhabit. Uh, we, are, we are very privileged. And so, yes, we get, we get treated as insiders, at, like, like Matthew, who's one of these 12 disciples. We, yeah. get, we get to kind of share his privilege. Inside track, yeah. Yeah. So now's the day of salvation. Yeah. Speak clearly. Proclaim it boldly. 100%. Yeah, thank you. All right. We've got a few questions now. We're going to kind of move beyond like the verse of the passage and more to thinking theologically I guess about what's going on here yeah yep Sam you said in the talk that you think we can move soil types Mm. wouldn't a view wherein people can move from the first three groups to the good soil so you know bad soil Satan snatching path you can become good soil wouldn't that necessitate that people could also move in the opposite direction from good soil to bad yeah 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 um great question um and uh, let me see if I can be a bit clearer on that because I did say that on Sunday, but perhaps it was open a little bit to be misunderstood, and, and that's probably my my fault more than yours. Um, uh, I think I did say that, and I still think that uh, from the from the perspective of what the parable is trying to show us, that the parable is not the only thing that Scripture tells us about where people are at with God. Yeah, the parable is designed to explain to you. Uh, how the different the four different reactions that an individual will have to the message of the kingdom being preached, 
Um, and so I shared on Sunday that for the first 15, 16 years of my life, I think I was the part. Just, I heard it a number of times. I mean, I went to a private school where I sat in chapel three mornings a week mm. and managed to, you know, by the time I was 16, I was like, how have I never heard this before? I, I had heard it before. I've, I've read the Bible. I've heard the prayer book services, which proclaim the gospel over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I just couldn't hear it because Satan was just snatching it away. And so I think I was the path until such point that my response was different, mm. at which point I think I was the good soil. Yeah. So I think from that perspective, yeah, I think in the in the in what this story is trying to show you that there are different responses to the message. You can change because you can change responses to, yeah. to the message. Um, what I don't mean, and what I hope I, I didn't communicate, or maybe I did accidentally, um, is that you, theologically you can move from being like a saved sort of chosen elect <laughs> one of God's family and then sort of you know shift the other way out if, yeah. if that makes sense I think from from that God's eye view God knows those who are his mm. um, and, uh, and and I think I, I, I use that verse, that verse it's 2 Timothy 2 19 I think um, God, God knows those who are his yeah um, and yeah, if you are if you are from that perspective good soil like one of God's you will always be good soil yeah um, in that, the other thing that I think I would say is the other the soils two and three, for a time, might look like good soil. Yeah, um, and that's so kind of point, right? Some yeah. might say, oh, they were good soil and look, now they're gone. And there's no time frame on that soil. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you, even if you're soil three, the, the weedy, thorny one, um, it might be 10 years mm. before the thorns fully take over. But they were always soil three, not soil four. Yeah, so maybe that... Again, like you said earlier, we we need to be careful as we read parables not to go beyond what the point of the parable is. Like yeah. you're saying, this isn't a text that's giving us this really, you know, detailed, comprehensive understanding of that's right. the doctrines of election and perseverance. No, this is a story Jesus tells us to help us to see how people respond to the word. That's what it's about. And responses yeah. can change, and I guess particularly yeah. that first response, like the Satan snatching away, like. Yeah. That's not like a one-time thing. Like, as no. you said, you're going up in chapel. That's like, you know, every week Satan's snatching the word away. Like, it happened week again by week, again. day by day almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. helpful. Yeah. All right. We'll keep going. Yeah. Uh, next question, I guess, again, starting to think bigger picture along those more, like, you know, theological perseverance kind of lines, that kind of thing. Mm. Question says, uh, if God knows who is going to be saved, why did he still create those who aren't mm. going to be saved? If God knows, not everyone's going to be saved. If yeah. God knew there's going to be bad soil, why did he make them at all? Yeah. Uh, look, really good question. Uh, a big question, um, which uh, is, is not simple to answer. Um, but let, let, me, let me have a go. Um, God, God is 100% the creator of all. Um, so, so he has made uh, his whole world and all those who are in it. Um, and, and the whole the whole of creation has, has rejected him and, and, and has following the, in the footsteps of, of Adam, our first, first ancestor, um, yeah, rejected him as king and as such are all under the judgment of God. And so um, there's a big why did God let that happen question probably tied into this question. Yeah. Um, so um, there's perhaps a prior why question. Mm. Um, and now... God at one level doesn't doesn't explain every part of uh, of the answer to that question. I don't think I, I don't think there's a, a sort of really um, easily clear uh, answer to that question. The why did God allow it to happen? Apart from the fact that 
It is in God's very nature and essence to be merciful. Um, when, when God reveals his name and, and such his character in, in Exodus, Exodus 34, we did a series on that a couple of years ago um, that you, some of you might remember. Um, part of the, the, the essential ingredient of who God is is the Lord, the Lord gracious and compassionate. And, and part of, I think, why God has allowed the fall to happen is such that he can show mercy. Mm. Um, because without, without the fall occurring, God's graciousness would, would not be able to come to the fore. Um, yeah. I think an illustration that I've heard from time to time is, you know, the, for the candle to burn brightly, yes. it has to be in a dark room. Yeah, or the diamond to shine in its best, it's placed, to, placed mm. upon a black background. Yeah. Um, it's that, that kind of idea. So God's brilliance and, and glorious mercy... Uh, shines such that the the fall has uh, uh, that's why the fall has happened so that yeah. so that it can shine. Um, now there's lots tied up in that, and then lots of lots of big questions that carry around that. So then why why does God save some and not others in that context? Wouldn't wouldn't He be most glorified if He just saved everyone? Um, well, at one level, um, that's the question of Romans chapter nine, and, yeah. and I'd encourage you to go and, and read Romans chapter nine, but. There comes a point where we have to acknowledge that God hasn't told us why he saves some and not others, but just that he does. Um, and people go, well, that's not fair. That, that, that feels like it'd be more fair if God get treated everyone the same, saved them all. Fairness would actually be God judging us all. We've all rejected him without him. Again, it's about grace. Yeah. Um, grace is that God saves some. Now, he doesn't tell us why he has saved me and not someone else and why saved you Jack and not someone else he, he has mm. um, but there comes a point where we have to accept our creatureliness and, and Paul uses the image of a pot he says shall a pot talk back to the maker and say what, why did you mould me like this um, and uh, it, it's a pot and, and at one level we think oh, I'm me I shouldn't be allowed to have you know actually under God we are mere creatures and, uh, and there comes a point where we need to have a, a creaturely humility which says okay I'm just a creature. I'm a very blessed uh, creature who's been shown grace, and I don't deserve that. And I don't understand why God has chosen me over and above somebody else, but he has. But what I do know is that tied up in the essence of who God is, Exodus 34 and and the rest of the Bible, is the mercy of God. So what I know is that God wants to display his glory by showing off his mercy, and he's given me the gospel that I would share it with others so that they too can experience that mercy. And so I, I want to go out with confidence to, uh, to, to preach the kingdom. I, I want to go as a herald um, announcing that God wants to be gracious to you and trust that God will work. And so I want to go out with a, with a sort of positivity uh, that, mm. that God will save, but also recognize that salvation is, is in the hands of the Lord. Um, and it's not for me, the herald, to understand why God will save some and not others, but to know that his desire is to save. Yeah. Those are really important categories, huge ideas, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. helpful. Thanks for bringing that together. Like that. Yeah. We will keep going. Yeah. Um, another, another massive question uh, tied up in this one. How would you describe people that never get to hear the message? Yeah. Are they any of the four soils we see in this chapter? Yeah. Um, great question. Um, again, I, I don't think this passage is, is so much tight. I mean, this is a, this is a, 
a parable about what happens when you hear the message. Um, so not, if you don't hear the message, you're kind of not in the picture. Yeah, that's right. That's not really in, in, in the picture here. So, uh, But there's a bigger question here behind, behind this question, which is well, what about those who, who never get to hear? Um, that's a good question. Um, and the, I think the way that the Bible answers it is, well, now is the day of salvation, so go and tell them. Yeah. Um, you know, Romans 10, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Um and again, that seems to be Isaiah's kind of response. Well, okay, who, who will go send, send me? Um, and so I think there is a sense that if, if you're aware of, of places and locations where the gospel is yet to go, well, could you consider um, going, going to tell them? Mm. Um, now, that, that's, that's one answer. The other answer is, uh, well, what about those who, you know, I might get around to that, like, you know, do an MCS apprenticeship, you know, train in more college and go, go, with go CMS, go yeah. CMS to, to somewhere where the gospel is, is not yet preached. Um, there are going to be people who, who, who die and go to face God's judgment before I get there <laughs> or before mm. someone gets there. What, what about them? Yeah. Um, and again, here, I think we need to come back to the character of God. Uh, God is perfectly just. Um, mm. and, and, but what the word says is that um, there is enough in creation such that anyone can see that there is a God. Uh, that's the argument of Psalm 19, the argument of, I think, Romans 1. Mm. Um, there is enough in, in creation uh, for us to, to know God is there and, and actually to be culpable for our own uh, behaviour. And um, Acts 17, Paul's sermon there, I think he says, um, God has done this so that they might reach out and find him. Yeah. He's not far from any one of us, mm. um, is Paul's message in Acts 17. So... There is a sense in which there's a responsibility on humans who, who live in this world made by God, who see so clearly that the hand of God in so many places to reach out and find the God who is there. Um, they do need the special revelation of the gospel, and so we need to go tell them. Um, but nobody will end up before God saying, God, I had no idea. There was no way that I could have known you existed. Um, yeah, yeah. Crea- creation is clear. No one will be with that excuse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Again, massive question. Big question. We feel the weight of that. Quick, quick answers, but <laughs> big questions. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of questions to finish it off. Mm. Moving more towards some kind of pastoral implications, I guess, of right. things we've seen. Yeah. So this question asker says, many of my youth group leaders thought I would never make it. Mm. So were they seeing me as bad soil and, and not trusting the word of God that the seed would continue to grow roots in what they perceived me to be as, you know, the path or the rocky soil? Wow. Yeah. What a question. Um, mm. I, I mean, I, I can't speak for your youth group leaders. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know who, who you are nor who, who your youth group leaders were. So, um, But it sounds like that, that, that your perception on things is that they were quite negative. And I mean, if, that, if that were the case, and that's, that sounds really awful, to be honest. I, I, I would hope that the, kind, that, that the youth leaders that, that we might train here at, at St Paul's and to, to minister to our young people... Um, are not in the in the habit of of, of sort of making a, a presumption as to which kind of soil type someone might be, um, but being sowers of the word, um, to sow the word broadly and freely as as God's character seems to be. But I would hope that our leaders would challenge a youth um, if they saw something in the life of that youth that that they you know that perhaps this parable points out like thorniness or, or weeds or whatever it is. Um, and not not with a fait accompli saying you're out, but actually mm. saying, hey, 
be careful. Because yeah. I think, as I said on Sunday, that's the other part of the application of this passage is to take stock of your own response and, and actually think, how have I responded? So I, I, I don't think it's wrong for a youth group leader to say to a youth, hey, be careful. The response you have to Jesus really matters now. And here's the word. And, and how's your response going? Or what, what are you doing in light of that? And, um, and, and perhaps it's easy for, potentially it's easy for a youth group leader to get that wrong. Or on the other hand, for a, a youth to, to misunderstand what a, what a leader is trying to do. And, and you know, we're humans and, and in relationships, sometimes that we get crosswise and we, and we mix those things up. But um, at the end of the day, you, you and God are going to know what kind of soil you are and what response you've had. And, I, and I'm thankful that whoever you are, um, yeah, you, you've grown and you put down roots and, and that's great. And, and if you can look back in your life and see that perhaps there used to be a bit of danger uh, and that you weren't responding well and now you've changed, then that, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, as to how it went down between you and your youth leaders, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm able to say. Yeah, and it sounds like there may well be pain and hurt in this question. Yeah, and yeah. like we said, yeah, that, that's awful. Um, yeah. But I hope that anyone who can look back at that kind of situation and see that they have grown mm. would be able to look back with with some measure of thanks even though that may yeah. have been painful and negative at the time yeah that kind of warning as painful it may be is part of what god uses to to, to bring us back from the brink and, and that's something safe. we should give no, thanks for that's right yeah. and warnings to be honest are never careful uh, are never, never, never pleasant yeah that's the point of a warning mm. um and, and sometimes you know, we, we often bristle against it when somebody comes and has the guts to tell us, tell me that I, you know, I need to be careful and I'm, mm. you know, I'm on, I'm on thin ice. But actually, in time, that, those are the things that either parents or leaders or, you know, pastoral, people are in a pastoral relationship with use and God uses to, to actually keep us safe. And we, we, we mustn't resent that if that's what's happened. Yeah. Just give thanks for it. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Last question. Let's finish with this one. Great. How can we bring up conversations about the gospel with those who seem to us like rocky ground or thorns? Yeah. Those who once professed to be Christians and now no longer do. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tied into that last answer, isn't it? A little bit. Um, be, be careful of how you speak to them. Um, not, not presenting a fait accompli. Hey, you yeah. this. Um, but at the same time... Um, uh, yeah, it is a hard thing to talk to someone who was once a Christian and now says that they never that they no longer are. And and I know pain, painfully that that is the case for many of us have have someone in our life in our friendship network where that is the case. And so this is a, a kind of a, a real question, not a, not an abstract question. Absolutely. So and I and I feel that, and I know people in my own life where this is the case, and uh, and that's really sad. So. First thing I think is to just to, to be heartbroken and to feel the feel the sadness of it because someone's reaction to the message of the kingdom is is no small thing. Now we're going to see actually in the in the week ahead that actually there is a sorting time you know coming between um, the weed and the wheats you know and and some will be burned and others will get glorified and you know there, there's this huge the stakes are high. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so given the highness of the stakes, I would say keep. Uh, holding out the message um, because again like I said at the start it, it, from the from the perspective of this parable um, the, the word just needs to keep getting scattered God doesn't stop scattering it because it's rocky path mm. um, he doesn't say he, he keeps being generous with his uh, with his sort of giving over of the word to, to all the soils uh, so keep giving the word um, and, and I guess I'd say a couple of things about that one don't don't shy away from talking about it um, sometimes I think and I think I, I answered a question like this on, on Sunday night. Um, 
I think there can be the temptation to want to retain the friendship at all costs. And so therefore we never have the boldness um, to, to speak and because we feel like they, they've sort of said to us they don't want to hear about it and we're worried that if... But then I think at that point, like, why... Like, it is good to love people regardless, but if you're not going to speak, then what what are you hanging on to at one level? Do you know what I mean? Be, be bold because the stakes are high. And that can be really hard and really difficult. I don't underestimate how, how relationally hard that can be, but... It seems to me that the message is the thing that's going to save. So, so work carefully about how, how am I going to be bold with the message with this person. The second thing I think I would say is be very mindful of your own personal witness. Um, they're looking at you and they're still seeing you know, whether or not Christ, who you claim to serve, really makes a difference in your life because for whatever reason, they've decided that they don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I notice is I, I, I sometimes hear the thing, hey, oh, I'm going to miss church. I'm not going to serve in my ministry this week because I've got this opportunity to go and talk to this friend who used to be you know, a Christian and, and I think it's really important for me to go spend some time with. And I think there's a heart in that that I like, which is says I'm going to go and spend time with this person. You should. But why are you choosing the moment where you, you know, one of the key moments in your Christian life, either your service of God or your gathering with God's people, why are you giving them that time? Surely you want to say to them, the most important thing for me is to honour Christ and to serve him and, and to show my commitment to Christ by saying to that person, hey, I'd love to see you, but Sunday I go to church. Mm. Can we catch up Monday? <laughs> Can we catch up Tuesday? Or Do you know what I mean? Don't, don't go soft on your... Yeah, and because what you say to them is actually those things aren't all that important to me too that I'm happy to let them go. Whereas I think you need to keep saying no, those things are really important to me. You're important to me too, but there's there's a an order here. Yeah, in the desire to reach someone, don't give up the importance of the thing you're trying to reach them with. Exactly, exactly right. And so, um, yeah, and I think likewise, part of the modern discourse is to try and find commonality with people. Yeah. And I think sometimes one of the things that happen when we are spending time with this person, we're trying to. Uh, evangelize or trying to bring them back we're trying to find common ground but sometimes I, I worry that we give too much away uh, in order to try to find a, a common ground I think sometimes we need to stick to our guns and say no no this is the message and I'm not ashamed of it it is the power of God to save and I'm going to stick to my guns and uh, all of that is easier said than done yeah absolutely uh, we need we need God's help for that we need prayers for yep. for courage to do it yep. and the wisdom to know how all yep. those things are true yeah absolutely um, and all of that I would say depending on the person play the long game mm. um, it's it, it possibly a different matter to a friend who you sort of used to know versus your brother or your sister you know what I mean yeah. like there's so different things different relationships call for different wisdom and different approaches but I think in all of them prayerfulness boldness mindful of your witness stick to your guns on the gospel yeah really helpful thanks for summing it up that way yeah We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, we're at Indeed. the end of our questions. Uh, it's been great to wrestle hard with these things. So thank you, Sam, for your work. Pleasure. I'll give us a little snapshot yeah, this what's Sunday. In this Sunday, you're, you're, you're preaching? Yeah, I'll be preaching this Sunday. We're moving into the next chunk of Matthew 13. You alluded to it a little before. Mm -hmm. uh, the big thing here is the parable of the weeds, mm -hmm. where we see the, the stark division that Jesus' kingdom comes to bring. If we've just seen the different responses that are possible to the word, yeah. Jesus now shows us the the kind of the destination those responses yeah. lead to. So we're going to be talking about the the stark reality of judgment for those who 
uh, of the evil one and who continue to reject the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. So big things there, but really crucial things that Jesus wants us to know about the kingdom that he has come to bring. So looking forward to helping us dig deep into that on Sunday. Fantastic. All right. We'll, we'll see you at church on Sunday. And thanks, thanks for listening in. See you then.